It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Welcome to the MLB.com Pipeline Podcast. Matt Wehmeyer pinch hitting today, Thursday, the 25th of February. Joined on the phone by our resident prospect gurus, none other than Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis, both of MLBPipeline.com. Gentlemen, thanks for joining me on this Thursday. And today's topic, uh, we're going to be breaking down of the 20 farm systems that you two have released. Uh, This is basically the list of 11 through 30 as the top 10 farm systems in baseball are going to be released next week. But of the 20 that have been released, we're going to kind of break those down by division, uh, starting uh, Jim in the NL East uh, with the team that, again, of the 11 through 30, uh, I think you're a big fan of the Nationals. Uh, Kind of talk about them and uh, some of the big names in their system, including, I think, the biggest name, obviously, right now, Lucas Giolito. Yeah, no, you did a you did a very nice job of explaining the kind of complicated way where we're rolling out these top 30s over a 10-day period uh, where we're in day four as we record this. But no, I, I think when you're you know looking at the National League East and the teams that we have in the 11 through 30 range, so that does not include the, the Braves or the Phillies who are in the top 10. The Nationals, to me, are the clear best farm system, uh, you know, of the rest of them. You, know, you mentioned Lucas Giolito. He's the best pitching prospect in baseball. He's number three in our top 100. He's got great stuff. He's got great control. He's a you know smart kid too. Uh, there's really nothing not to like about Lucas Giolito. Very exciting guy, and he's not the only one. I mean, you look at that. I look at that organization. Trey Turner. I still can't believe they they somehow parlayed Stephen Susan into Trey Turner and Joe Ross as, as just being a facilitator in that Will Myers trade a year ago. But Trey Turner looks like, you know, I mean, he's one of the best prospects in baseball, too. He could contribute the big league level this year. I think he's a classic, you know, speed, you know, on base, a little bit of pop at the top of the lineup guy. Uh, I think Trey Turner has all-star potential. I think one of the biggest sleepers on our top 100 list overall is Victor Robles, who was tremendous last year when he was the youngest player in the short season New York Penn League. You know, this guy has some of the best all-around tools. I mean, he could have four-plus tools, and the power's coming, too. Um, so he's exciting. You have another guy who, who was kind of following the Giolito path, uh, you know, got drafted, you know, while having, you know, a serious elbow injury that was going to require Tommy John surgery. Eric Fetty, you know, very quietly came back last year, a year after having the surgery, um, and pitched very well in the lower minors. And not only did stuff come back, his control and command came back pretty quickly too, which doesn't happen. So, um, you know, I, I think that the national system, the reason with those four guys it probably doesn't rank in the top ten, at least for me, and we'll see what Jonathan says, is I don't think their depth is necessarily as strong as a lot of the clubs we have in the top ten. Um, but I, I want to say the nationals were one of, of I think, well, when we voted on the top ten, Jonathan, I think we wound up going about 13 deep because there were 13 organizations that all stood out to us, and, and the Nationals were one of those that we was kind of in that cut but just missed the top ten. Yeah, they, they, they did just miss, uh, I feel. They're not that far off, and I think you're right. I think it's the depth, and when we, when we try, to, uh, try to encapsulate how we decide on organizations, you're looking at you know, that 
high-end elite-level talent, but you're also looking at depth uh, sort of in combination. And uh, having Giolito and Turner at the top certainly helps. Having guys like Robles helps. But, you know, as you get further down the list, there's a little bit of a drop-off compared to the teams that, uh, that did end up making, uh, making the top ten. And Jonathan, I know that uh, obviously, you know, you like the Nationals, as does Jim, as you both uh, just elaborated on. But Jonathan, I know you like uh, the Mets, too, and it would be uh, foolish to kind of overlook them, correct? Yeah, it would. Uh, you know, they were uh, number five on the top ten when we ranked the top ten organizations a year ago. And really the main reason uh, for their drop-off is just the graduation rate. You know, guys like Noah Syndergaard uh, and, and among others uh, dropping off the list. But uh, there is still some, some good talent there, uh, without question. Uh, Steven Matz, you know, still counts uh, as a prospect, even though he seems curious since he actually started a World Series game, but he tops the list. Uh, you know, they've got uh, four guys in the top 100 total, Dominic Smith, Ahmed Rosario, who probably has, still has as much upside as, as anybody in the list, and then Gavin Cicchini. And then, you know, and, and then there's still some, some depth. Uh, you know, I really like the top half of their list. I think Wilma Becerra is a guy who could have a breakout season and be a top 100 guy in the future. Uh, and what they do have is depth, but they're all kind of far away. Uh, and there's a ton of shortstops on this list. I think it was eight when all was said and done. Obviously, not all of them are going to play shortstop at the big league level, uh, but having that kind of depth up the middle is something that not a lot of teams have uh, and will serve them well, both in terms of, you know, funneling guys to second or maybe third base and also using his trade bait if these guys progress. Uh, and, and, you know, and so even if there's a little bit of a drop-off on the list overall, if you combine it with how young they are at the big league level uh, at, at a number of key positions, uh, I, I think it still bodes well for them. So uh, you know, we didn't sort of rank all 30 organizations, but in my mind uh, the Mets are still sort of maybe middle of the pack 15th or so, 14th, 15th, 16th. Uh, uh, that's com completely unscientific, but there's still a lot of guys, even if uh, some of them are, are still a good three, four years away. And, uh, Jim, before we go to the AL East, uh, some quick thoughts on the Mets that Jonathan just shared. Do you agree with these assessments by and large? Yeah, I do. I mean, it's it, their system, you know, it's funny. I think, you know, it's hard enough ranking prospects, um, and it, and it, but it's, I mean, that's easy compared to ranking organizations. I always joked in my years, you know, many years of Baseball America where we did go from 1 to 30, and we did rank the worst farm system and the second worst and so on, that every year we made 29 teams angry with us. You know, the only team that we ranked number one agreed with how much uh, we liked the organization. And, you know, the other thing to remember, these things are, are very much a snapshot in time. They aren't necessarily reflective uh, you know, just because a team's not in the top ten right now doesn't mean they haven't gotten talent to the majors. Because, I mean, you look at the Mets just last year alone, you had Noah Syndergaard, Michael Conforto, Kevin Plawecki, Dilson Herrera. I mean, those are four key guys going forward for them. Um, and so the Mets, while they don't rank in the top ten now, if you're looking at what have you done for me lately, the Mets have obviously done a lot. Absolutely have. So that uh, wraps up the NL East. Let's go now to the AL East. And, again, for those who – may just be tuning in. Uh, we are covering teams 11 through 30 on the pipeline rankings. Uh, the top 10 to be released next week. So of those 11 through 30 in the AL East, uh, we're going to talk about uh, the Yankees and the Rays. And Jonathan, we'll start with you to talk about the Rays. Yeah, you know, it's it, 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 the Rays are sort of a, a comeback organization, I think, because there was a long stretch of time 
where they were the the system that everybody pointed to. Like, well, this is how it should be done. Uh, and they always seem to have a ton of talent. Um, they needed to be able to do that in order to have success at the big league level because uh, of their inability to, to carry a ton of payroll uh, and, and compete against the Red Sox uh, and the Yankees of the world. Um, and then they had a few years where it just kind of was a bit barren. They made some trades, guys graduated, uh, and they, it, they didn't do as well uh, in terms of replenishing the system. Some of that had to do with um, just how much more difficult it is to find talent when you're not picking at the top of the draft. You know, they picked at the very top, got a good amount of talent that way, but also tend to do better uh, later rounds. They were more aggressive. They got a little more conservative and how they drafted, and I think that hurt them. They've gotten back to uh, going after sort of high-end guys, and I think it's paid off. And you just look at a guy like Blake Snell, uh, who is you know, the kind of high-ceiling pitcher they used to go after, a projectable left-hander, and last year it really all clicked. He's at the top of their list, and uh, he has uh, risen to uh, number two among all left-handed pitching prospects, uh, according to our rankings. And I, I know I go back to the story I've written and done it many times, but – and doing polling uh, of executives, GMs, and the like, who they felt the best pitching prospect in baseball was. Lucas Giolito won, but Snell actually got the, the second most votes. Uh, so he is very highly regarded. Uh, they got another guy in Brent Honeywell uh, behind him, gives him another exciting uh, young arm uh, on their way up. Uh, they traded for Willie Adamas. And so that's just a, you know, the, the top of their system has uh, some ceiling. Uh, and that's something that had been missing. Uh, and, and then there are guys, you know, that you, still you don't know. Taylor Guerrero is just getting back from being hurt, from being suspended. Uh, there's a lot to like there. Um, you know, I think you're going through the, the first half of the list, and there are a bunch of guys who have a chance to be to big, be big leaguers. Some guys in the second half of the list I think could jump up to the first half of the list. So it, it is uh, not, you know, a top ten organization and I wouldn't even necessarily put them in that 11 to 15 range just yet, although they might be close. But there's a, a lot sort of percolating here where I think in another year, I think they could creep more seriously into that sort of top of the organizational ranking conversation. And, uh, Jim, on the other side of the coin, you've got the Yankees. And uh, I think a lot of, uh, a lot of you know, baseball insiders kind of impressed that they were able to swing a deal for – Aroldis Chapman, uh, his off-field issues notwithstanding, but they were able to get him in the fold without giving up some of the elite guys in their system. So a win-win for them. Uh, talk about some of those big names in their system right now. Yeah, I think um, you know the Yankees are, are kind of, if we were to extend our rankings from the top, beyond the top 10 and go 1 to 30, I think the Yankees would probably be right on the heels of the Rays. I think they're close to the same caliber, you know, again, kind of speaking that snapshot in, in time, uh, theory I was talking about with the Mets, this Yankees list would definitely be in the top ten if Luis Severino and Greg Bird had not gotten to the majors, I think even a little quicker than we expected last year and lost their eligibility. But that said, it's still a deep organization. And, uh, Matt, I have to jump in here. Jonathan's probably waiting for me to, to, to speak up. But, uh, you know, I know they did not give up one of their elite guys, but don't sleep on Rookie Davis. I like Rookie Davis a lot. Oh, who the Reds boy. got in the role of Chapman trade. And I think We're not even at the NL Central yet. Come on. But he talked about they didn't give up elite prospects. So I'm just saying, right. I'm not calling Rookie Davis elite, but Rookie Davis is a lot better than people realize. That said, getting back to the guys still wearing <laughs> pinstripes, yeah, there, there, there's still a lot of ceiling in this organization, too. I mean, Jorge Mateo, 
their number one prospect. You know, very exciting guy. Led the minors in steals. Has drawn a lot of Jose Reyes comps. He's he's an electric player. He might be their their best homegrown middle infielder, or at least the most exciting homegrown middle infield prospect they've had since Derek Jeter. You know, Robinson Cano did not get these kind of rave reviews at this point in his career. They've got Aaron Judge, power hitting outfielder, uh, could be in New York very soon. They have Gary Sanchez, who anybody who watched Arizona Fall League, Gary Sanchez was was as impressive as any player there. Uh, led the led the league in home runs, led the league in throwing out base stealers. And for a guy, you know, Gary Sanchez has always been talented, and he's been kind of dinged for maybe not having the the best work ethic and, and hustle, and you know, maybe not caring as much as he needs to. And he looked like a totally different guy in the Fall League. So I was very excited to see Gary Sanchez. And beyond them, uh, you know, I think those are the clear top three. You know, you have a slew of interesting guys. You know, James Caprillion, last year's first-round pick, extremely polished guy who can move fast. And then you have just, uh, you know, they've done a ton of work in Latin America and spent a lot of money there. And you have a, a bunch of shortstop prospects and outfield prospects who are interesting. Wilkerman Garcia is a guy who I don't think fans have heard a lot about yet, uh, has yet to play above rookie ball for the Yankees, but has a chance to be an all-around shortstop as well. And a, a low later round pick who, who's really blossoming, uh, Dustin Fowler, former 18th rounder, kind of the best of their outfield prospects behind Aaron Judge. You know, Fowler's got a chance to contribute across the board, and also looked very good in the Arizona Fall League when we saw him out there. So, Yankee system, I think, uh, you know, maybe it's not in it's not in the top 10, and maybe you know, not as hyped as some of these other systems. But the Yankees still have some interesting talent coming. And if you were to to look into guys who if there's some way to factor in talent uh, at the, you know, that say hasn't gotten to the full season level yet, they might have as much as anybody just because of all the, the efforts they've made internationally. And then just, you know, even in the draft, you know, last year's draft, they brought in a bunch of interesting players as well, even some lower round guys like, like Donnie Sands in the eighth round and, and Chance Adams in the fifth round and Trey Amber Gee in the 13th round. Uh, you know, a lot of depth in the Yankees system. Uh, be interested to see how these guys develop over the next couple of years. Okay, well, the gloves are officially off, gentlemen, and now, <laughs> now we're really going to get down and dirty because, as you alluded to, Jim, we're going to go now to the NL Central, and Jonathan, uh, you're going to have a shot in a few minutes to talk about uh, the Reds and about Davis and your honest assessment of him, which I can't wait to hear. But I love rookie Davis. <laughs> ah, there we on. go. <laughs> of course you do. Of course you do. But. Uh, Jim, we're going to uh, keep the mic with you for right now as uh, we're going to start in the NL Central talking about the Cubs. And this is obviously a franchise in recent years that's had an elite farm system. And uh, despite a high graduation rate with all those elite guys in recent years, this is a, a team still pretty loaded, correct? Yeah, very. Yeah, I think they're very loaded. Uh, you know, and I think, I mean, when you know, we get back to my, you know, what have you done for me lately? Well, all the Cubs did last year was promote Chris Bryant, Addison Russell, you know, Kyle Schwarber, and Jorge Soler to the big leagues. All four of those guys are potential all-stars, um, and they still have a ton of position talent. Um, you know, when we did that, that top ten ranking of farm system, uh, the Cubs came in at number 11, and I think the Reds came in at number 13. So they were both very close. Uh, the Cubs, you know, they, I don't know how they're going to get all these position players to fit in their lineup. And that's even, at, you know, before, I would have said that even before they, they pulled the surprise signing of Dexter Fowler today. But, you know, you've got Glaber Torres at shortstop, Ian Happ at second base. Uh, you know, they already, and Heimer Candelario at third, they already have a very crowded 
infield. The outfield's already jammed, too, and you have Albert Almora and Billy McKinney and Eloy Jimenez on the way. They're also very, very excited about a couple of their draft picks, uh, D.J. Wilson and Donnie DeWeese in the outfield. Uh, so, I, you know, I don't know how they're going to fit all these guys in the lineup, but it's an unbelievable clutch of talent. They're the best catching prospect in the minors, and Wilson Contreras, who I think is, is going to put any end to the thought that, that Kyle Schwarber is a long-term catcher, although Contreras needs some defensive polish, too. And the thing about, you know, everybody's focused on hitters, and for all the right reasons, because they've had an unbelievable group of position players. I've said many times, you're factoring the guys who came up last year, probably the best group of young talent I've ever seen in a minor league organization. And, you know, I'm getting old now, guys. I've been covering this stuff for 25 years. So when I say it's the best I've ever seen, I've been around for a while. Um, but all that said, their pitching's pretty interesting, too. You know, Dwayne Underwood is their only pitcher on the top 100, but they have a couple guys who haven't gotten a full season ball yet. They will this year in Dylan Cease and Oscar De La Cruz, who have tremendous arms. Uh, and also keep an eye on Brian Hudson. I have to throw my favorite bit of trivia. Jonathan knows where I'm going here from the 2015 draft. Brian Hudson is from Alton, Illinois High School. He's six foot eight, very projectable lefty with a tremendous curveball, and not even close to being the tallest guy in school history, Matt. The tallest man in recorded history, Robert Wadlow, who grew to eight foot eleven, is also an Alton High graduate. So really? I, that, that's my, my favorite fun fact from the two thousand fifteen draft. And now wow. I I will turn it over to, to Jonathan. He can talk about how good the red system is. And they have to be good if Ricky Davis is only number twelve on the list. That's a travesty, Jonathan. Travesty. That guy from that high school, Matt, threw with a huge downhill plane. Well, that's important. You need that. Well, when you're when you're nine feet tall, when you're nine feet tall, you better have downward plane, right? Otherwise, you're gonna kill someone. (laughs) So, so Jonathan, again, you know, you look at the red system, and uh, you know, gone is Todd Frazier, gone is Aroldis Chapman. Before that, gone is uh, Johnny Cueto. So, in light of all of those deals, uh, how replenished is this farm system in Cincinnati? Well, extremely replenished. Um, And I do want to point out that, uh, you know, for people tuning in the podcast, may not realize that Matt does record a a decent amount of the voiceovers for for the video clips that go with our ranking. So he probably had to say the phrase pitches (laughs) with a downhill plane, I don't know, 4,000 times over the last couple of years. Uh, I'd I'd say days, yes. Uh, Yes. 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 So downward plane uh, projectability. Uh, yeah, you know them all. I know all the buzzwords. I know all the buzzwords. Yeah. So it's, anyway, yeah. <laughs> so uh, they uh, uh, they have come a, a very very long way, and they're on, right on that cusp, I think, of being a top ten organization as a result. Uh, you know, some homegrown guys uh, like Jesse Winker, Robert Stevenson, and and Amir Garrett, who's one of the more you know intriguing guys in their system, just because. Uh, you know, even though he's quote unquote, you know, a tiny bit older because he played college basketball, uh, he's still figuring things out. And there's a ton of ceiling still to come there. Uh, then they traded for Cody Reed and Jose Peraza, and, and you know, and that's just uh, their their top five. Um, Curry Mella, uh, you know, they got via trade. Uh, the aforementioned rookie Davis, who I do like quite a bit. Uh, I would just like to tease uh, to tease Jim. Um, <laughs> Uh, Eric Jagailo, they also got in the trade for Raldis Chapman. So Scott Shebler, and that, that, that's only in their top 16. So and not only do they have some really good guys at the top, and I'm a, I'm a huge Jesse Winker fan. Uh, I think he's just going to really, really hit once he gets to the big leagues. Uh, you know, you know, batting title kind of competitor, kind of hitter. Um, you know, they have a lot more depth than they used to. And with the trades that they filled in and some of the jo- job that they've done in the last couple of drafts, 
uh, I, I found, you know, a lot of times when we write through these lists, it gets to be a little, you know, and I'm not slamming on any organization, but going 30 deep is, is uh, a difficult exercise. And I found that the Reds were one of the teams that I was getting to the end, and not only did I feel like the guys in my 25 to 30 were kind of interesting uh, with a chance to, to be big leaguers, but there were guys who didn't make the list who, who were kind of intriguing. And that's, to me, a sign that uh, an organization is headed in the right way. And, listen, they better be, right? They, hit, they flipped the switch on the rebuild uh, plan. So they better have talent coming. Uh, otherwise, it's, it's going to be uh, a long struggle for Cincinnati for a while. And, uh, Jonathan, just to wrap up the NL Central discussion, again, we're talking about teams 11 through 30 here on the pipeline rankings. Uh, in theory, are we talking about teams 11 and 12 here with the Reds and the Cubs or something close to it? Yeah, so, yeah something close to it. You know, we, we didn't hammer that down, but when we, when we sort of cast our vote, that's, uh, th that's how it, it sort of came to be, um, you know, in terms of, well, I guess 11 and 13, uh, you know, yeah, I think the national the might have been twelve. The national sandwich between the two NL Central teams, and of course, people tuning in can can figure out that uh, the the Pirates and the Brewers um, are are the NL Central teams that are in the in the top ten. Um, we're not touching on the Cardinals here right now because their farm system is not quite as strong as it used to be, but they are uh, live and on the site as we speak. And uh, that takes us to the AL Central right now. And I, I think both of you agree that uh, of the six divisions in baseball, this might, at, at the current time, kind of be the weakest uh, of the six in terms of uh, uh, prospects and, uh, and uh, value down on the farm system. But there is one team, and Jim, I'll, I'll start with you. It seems like the Indians of the five teams in the AL Central kind of have a leg up on the other four, correct? Well, the Twins are in the top ten farm systems. So of the of the – teams that aren't in the top 10 i do think the indians have a leg up on the other four farm systems in the, in the division i mean you, you look at the indians and the thing that jumps out i i, I was looking at this it, it's gonna be an interesting discussion for number one a year from now if all these guys still count i mean there's already some debate internally between bradley zimmer and clint frazier two exciting outfield prospects and you know, if Brady Aiken comes back to full health, you know, from Tommy John surgery a year after he was the number one overall pick and did not sign with the Astros, I mean, you're talking about a lefty with three-plus pitches and command and athleticism. He might be even better than those guys. And then we're, we might be overlooking one of the best power hitters in all of the minors, Bobby Bradley, who, who won the Arizona League Triple Crown in his debut and then led the Midwest League with 27 homers last year, uh, despite missing time with an injury. And, and, you know, you go on, you go on a little further beyond that, too. I mean, Justice Sheffield, uh, you know, we're talking just pumping up Brady Aiken. I mean, Justice Sheffield's another lefty who struck out more than a guy per inning, former first-round pick, you know, really nice stuff. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's some really nice depth at organization. And well, I don't think he's a sleeper, but one guy who kind of gets not a whole lot of hype but had a very nice year last year in double-A and it was lights out in the international league playoffs is Mike Clevenger, who could probably contribute to the Indians' rotation this year. So, yeah, I, I think when, when we're not counting twins who are in that top ten unveiling, top ten farm systems that will unveil next week, it's clear to me Cleveland's the best farm system, Jonathan. I mean, do you feel the same way? I didn't really see any yeah. other farm system between the White Sox and the Royals and the Tigers that I would put up there with Cleveland's. No, and I don't even think it's particularly close um, among the you know the, the White Sox and, and Tigers and the Royals. Um, yeah, the combination of those two outfielders at the top, 
uh, gives them some some excitement. But yeah, I think you touched on Aiken, and that's perfect. And then just there's just a lot of upside. I mean, this is another one of these teams that you know, even if they're not in that top ten conversation now, uh, either like at midseason if we do a full on re rank or next year, I could easily see them being uh, a top ten. You know, obviously it depends on some of these high ceiling guys, especially uh, uh, the arms from last year's draft. If they they take a nice step forward in their first full season of pro ball, um, I think there is a chance uh, that uh, the Indians are going to be in that conversation. Uh, they're 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 a fun group with a lot that can happen now. You know, they always say high school pitching. You know, it's high risk, high reward. The highest risk and, and highest reward. So it, it could go south. Uh, but you know, early indications and the way things have started, uh, there, there's there's a lot to like here, and it goes pretty deep. And of course, uh, of those three teams, uh, excluding the Twins, and I inadvertently let the cat out of that bag, so I apologize. But the Twins, of course, yes, they will be a top ten team next week. But of the other three that we discussed, uh, the, the Tigers, the Royals, and the White Sox, of those three, I want to ask both of you. Uh, I guess which which one is kind of winning the race right now in terms of you know maybe pulling ahead a little bit and developing a farm system that could rival those of the Twins and Indians right now within their division. Uh, Jim, I'll start with you. You know, it's a tough one for me. I will. You know, I'm kicking this around my head. You know, I think as much as I like Carson Fulmer and Tim Anderson and Spencer Adams, who are the White Sox top three prospects. I think if you gave, if I could have any of these other three farm systems, I would take the Royals. Um, it's a tough question. I'll be curious to see what Jonathan says. The, the reason it's tough is that the Royals' top two prospects could both be be stars, but they come with a boatload of risk, and that Raul Mondesi, the, the, the shortstop, has been pushed very aggressively and just has not hit since he left low A ball. He, he struggled, and, and the tools are still tremendous. And then you have Kyle Zimmer, who could be a number one starter, but at the same time, uh, you know, hasn't been able to stay healthy at all. Um, so there's a lot of risk there. And then beyond them, I mean, you, you have a ton of very young, high-ceiling guys like Ash Russell and Nolan Watson and Scott Blewett, um, and then some, you know, older, you know, riskier guys like Bubba Starling. But that's a tough question. I, I think if you asked me that again in five minutes, I might switch back. But I, I would take the Royals slightly over the White Sox despite my, my undying love for Carson Fulmer as a prospect, I would do that, I think. And, Jonathan, how about you? Can I pass? <laughs> um, you could. That's, uh, I, you know, I'm not calling you know, the shots I here. I, as much as I like to, you know, butt heads with a gym, makes for good podcasting, it, 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 it's hard to have a real strong opinion on this one. Um, I might take the White Sox by the slimmest of margins, and it's only because uh, of that top three. Uh, you know, Spencer Adams uh, isn't on our top 100 right now, but I think he will be in a year's time. Uh, you know, I, I, I like him a lot. Uh, you know, if I were to pick one guy, and we get this question a lot in terms of, like, well, what guy not on the top 100 do you think is going to make a big leap on? I, he'd, he'd be close to the top of my list. So, um, but it drops off after that um, somewhat considerably. So, uh, I lean slightly towards them, but not by a lot. Um, you know, the Royals do have some interesting guys. I mean, the Tigers finish third in this conversation for sure. Um, so I'll just, in interest of 
throwing a different opinion there, say I will take the White Sox. Good way to put a boat's eye on this discussion, gentlemen. It's been fun, uh, as always. And as we are recording this podcast on Thursday the 25th, uh, to wrap up, give us a timetable on the releasing of the top 10 teams. And we, when can we expect to hear numero uno? Uh, when, when is that going to come about? Well, we've well, we got, got uh, I think the National League West comes out tomorrow, Friday. Uh, and then on Monday comes the American League West. Again, non-top non ten organization related. I'm not giving away anything about those two divisions who may or may not be in the top ten organizations. Um, and then starting on Tuesday uh, through Friday, we will uh, unveil the all top ten organizations uh, with, uh, with the number one team being released in a, in a package of the top couple on Friday. Yeah, we'll go 9 and 10 on Tuesday, 7 and 8 Wednesday, 4 through 6 on Thursday, and 1 through 3 on Friday. And, like, I don't know how this wound up, Jonathan. I was just looking at this. I will not give away anything about who might be in that top 10, but when you talk about the two Western divisions, four of those top 10, the four of those teams in those divisions will make our top 10, and somehow I'm writing all four of those teams, which I did not realize until just now. (laughs) Well, Well, you know, it it helps also the fact that our our, our colleague Mike Rosenbaum had five teams in the first two days for the Eastern Division. So there you go. It all evens out in the end, right? (laughs) It does. Yes. Great stuff, as always, from our pipeline gurus, Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis. Uh, We thank you both for your time, as this is Matt Waymire signing off for the latest installment of the Pipeline podcast on MLB.com.